happy Father's Day. It's a privilege to be able to share on this special day. When I think of Mother's Day, it seems easy to know what to talk about. We often talk about the care of our mothers, how much our mothers mean to us. And often there's no shortage of testimony on the love of a mother. Thank you, Parker. What do you all think of when you think of Father's Day? It seems that fathers it often are, in my mind anyway, uh, maybe instructed more than praised in, or, or maybe talked about in a critical way, even in, in society today. There's a lot of examples of dads being unfaithful to their families. There's a lot of examples of mothers that raise their families in a single parent home or are holding the family together. But dads are irreplaceable. Dads are important and this on this day, even though this is not a biblical holiday necessarily, it's a, a day that's set aside, at least in our country here, to recognize the importance of fathers. And I think it's good if we take time and reflect on the love and the care that our fathers give us. Father, fatherhood is an honorable position. And we're called in Scripture to honor our father and our mother. But I want to focus just a little bit here on honoring our fathers. And especially as, as children, dad is, is hero. He, is, he can do no, no wrong. He, as we saw in our Sunday school class when we were had the children today, everyone's dad is the strongest, everyone's dad is the, the tallest, and, and dad is, you are your child's hero. That's not something to be taken lightly. When my children came out this morning, it was so interesting for me to see the different ways that they showed affection to me as their father. I, one of the first ones to come out when I was sitting in my chair was Mackenzie. And she sat down and said, Happy Father's Day. And then she looked at my shirt that I was wearing, and I'll, I had decided to leave it on this morning. A little, I'll get over my embarrassment here, but I wanted to wear it and show you what it said. It says, Protect this house. And the story behind this is I bought this shirt for Sean when he got married as a reminder that he is a protector of his household. 
And I don't know what I was thinking when I ordered a large. That's a, a small for Sean. So I stole it. I kept it, and I got him and I don't remember, extra large or extra, extra large, but it was much bigger than this one. Protect this house, and she looked at my shirt and said, you have the perfect shirt on today. And that's when I decided, well, maybe I'll leave it on. It was special for me that she recognized that. And I had you know, other children come up and say, you know, you're the best dad, and happy Father's Day, and, and one of, one of the girls came and, and just sat on my lap, and I said, it's such a privilege for me to be your father. And Lizzie said, I know it is. <laughs> and we left it at that, and, in, and it is. I'm, I'm her fifth father. And there's others here that have contributed to her life. Thank you. I hope, I, I hope I'm the last. I love you, Lizzie. Uh, one, of the, one of the children came up from his room. And on his way to the bathroom, he goes, Happy Father's Day. He said something like, by the way, Happy Father's Day. And he was already chewing on something. And he said, can't believe you're my dad. <laughs> In the bathroom he goes. So those are wonderful memories. Those ones I hope I don't forget. And each of your children, I'm sure, came out this morning and in some way said Happy Father's Day. And if it's like my children, some of them were probably directed by their mother. Others said it on their own. But Happy Father's Day to all of you dads. And then there's the intermediate and the youth where, you know, dad starts to uh, maybe little by little take on less of a hero status. And uh, maybe, maybe you begin to be looked at as a dad, more just like someone that keeps reminding them of things and keeps telling them what to do and keeps worrying about them. But as a youth, you know, I was a youth and it doesn't feel like it was that long ago that I was 16, 17. Dad and I worked together. And there was times, you know, for the most part we got along, but there was times I did not agree with him and what he, he would ask of me, and, I, and he didn't agree with me, and, and I'd, just, I'd get mad at him, and we wouldn't talk for hours. Usually over some activity I wanted to do. But I worked with my dad, and so you can only, it seems, work with, with someone for so long, and uh, you have to talk. So it, it was healthy for me to work with my dad. We always ended up talking about things. And, and I have a good relationship with my dad today. One thing that I always remember him saying at the end of, toward the end of the workday, uh, he often would say, well, tomorrow's another day. We're going to go and knock off for today. Tomorrow's another day. Very common to hear dad say that. And since I've been a dad, I've added a phrase to that, 
when we get ready to knock off for the day. I say tomorrow's another day, and if tomorrow never comes, it doesn't matter anyway. And that always helps me to keep an eternal perspective on, on my work and on my schedule. Tomorrow's another day, and if tomorrow never comes, it doesn't matter anyway. Maybe that can be something that can be inspirational for you when your schedule gets overwhelming. Tomorrow's another day, and if tomorrow never comes, it doesn't matter anyway. But that I learned from my dad. So continuing with the youth, I don't have a big agenda. I just want to talk about the importance of fathers and to encourage you, especially if you're youth age or intermediate age and, and you're frustrated with your dad, sometimes we as dads aren't the greatest communicators. Sometimes we come across as demanding or frustrated, but it really comes, I feel confident in saying this about your dad, it really comes from a place of, of love for you and a place of compassion your dad really cares about you. And yes, I'm sure he cares about his reputation, but he cares more about you. And that's where his response is coming from. If you're in a place of frustration with your father over him not letting you do something, or you know, you're needing to be back at a certain time, it comes out of a love for, for you. Us men are not perfect by any means. But most of the time our intentions and our motives are, are right in how we want to direct our families. And it's always a, it seems to me, a, a curve. And I, and I want really the young people to pay attention to this. It seems that, you know, dad's hero, you get up into your, uh, early teens and, and in, then even into later teens and early 20s and it can be very frustrating to communicate well with your dad. Fathers can be busy, can be focused and, and they can be matter of fact. And us dads, you know, we don't say we're emotional, we say we're factual. But we do deal with frustration and sometimes we get angry and sometimes we take that out on our, our wife and and our children. And that's emotion. But often that anger is coming from not feeling understood. That's a big one for us guys. When we don't feel understood, when we feel like what we're feeling in our heart, we can't bring it out right. We can't say it right. And then it makes, it feels like it makes the family upset. Sometimes our frustration and our anger isn't well-grounded or isn't coming from a good place, but sometimes it actually is a heart cry for communication. And when you, if you find yourself there as a young person, frustrated with your father because you feel you cannot talk to him, you feel that he doesn't understand where you're coming from, which might be the case. I just want to give this from a place of being a father, he would probably like nothing more than for you to just take the first step, even if he should. 
If you want better communication with your dad, sit down with him. Tell him, Dad, I want to talk to you. And more than that, I want you to talk to me. And I want, I want to hear from you. When I say this, or when, when mom says this, or when the children say this, how does it make you feel? Take the first step in communication. It might not be proper. It's probably in his, in his place to, to take that step. Maybe he doesn't know how. Sometimes we don't as men. And it's easy for us to want to just out of sight, out of mind, in our frustration, we had to work and we can put ourselves into our work, we can put ourselves into our hobbies, and we can kind of shut our brain off. But that's not, it's not healthy, but we tend to do that as guys. But your dad is in a place, in a position to be honored. And that's, scripture teaches that, that he's, he's a, a father, and so he is in a place of honor. And for you to honor him, will draw your relationship together. And as an older youth, even if you don't feel you can meet the requirements, so to speak, there's ways that you can, that you can show honor and respect for him. And I would just encourage you to consider that. Maybe even as a, a married person and you still have your father, or you have a father-in-law, that can be a whole new set of difficulty in relationship, but relationship is what we're taught to have from our Heavenly Father. Something that we taught that, uh, and looked at today in, our, in the Sunday school lesson with the children was we all have a father. I think all the children there here today had a father in their home, which is something to be very thankful for. There's so many homes today that the father's is not there, not present in a, any physical sense. But there is a heavenly father. Every one of us has a heavenly father that's present. Elizabeth and I spent one day, one afternoon, her sitting on my lap, and we had a long conversation about her journey that brought us to our house. And I had some things that I really wanted to tell her what was on my heart in a way to prepare her for the future because children reach an age of wrestling with life. And I know Elizabeth is reaching the age where she's, her, her mind is maturing and she's going to reach a point where she probably will be asking a lot of questions and probably struggling with a lot of answers. And so I wanted to tell her this. As a foundation, as she begins that part of her life, and that is no matter your experience with an earthly father, her birth father, she doesn't know who he is or where he's at. The one she thought was her birth father for years was not her birth father. And things like that. The thing that Elizabeth has, the reality that she has, is something we all have, and that is we have a heavenly father that never leaves us or forsakes us, 
And that's something that I was, wanted to be very clear with her, is that no matter what happens in your life, you always have a heavenly father. And if your earthly father is not who he should be, or is not who you need, or as far as is not the, the maybe present the way he should be, the only way to be able to extend grace, the only way to be able to move forward, the only way to be able to have healthy emotions where you can have healthy relationships is to experience the fatherhood of your heavenly father. It's the only way. But your father, your earthly father is in a position of honor and as you learn about your heavenly father and as you form a relationship with him, it helps you as a young person live that out in a proper way. It helps you to be able to honor your father in spite of his imperfections. And I'll include myself as a father in spite of our imperfections as fathers. But it's our heart as earthly fathers, all of us as Christian fathers, it's our heart to, for you to shift your allegiance as you get older to your heavenly father and realize that he is a holy and a perfect and an almighty father that will never leave you or forsake you. Of course, for us dads, we are in an honorable position, but we can never demand that honor. That honor must be earned or lived out, maybe to the best of our ability and as we trust in God. We're in an honorable position, but we must not demand honor. There's so many similarities that I see with fatherhood and even in uh, leadership in an organization like church leadership. Authority is something that God has given, you could say, for a purpose. And we can never demand it. We can never demand that we are respected or that we're honored. It doesn't work in a family. It doesn't work in a church. We must instead, as fathers, learn and live out how to be a son. That's something that's been impressed on my mind when I was studying for this, this time today, is the importance of being a son. You know, we really can't try to be a good father. It doesn't work. We must learn to be a good son. And only through that, as we learn to be a son, can we actually be a good father. Sometimes we get it backwards. How do I be a good son? To be a good son, I must make it my life's purpose to live out the example of my father. And when I say my father, I don't mean my earthly father, I mean my heavenly father. That's not any disrespect to my earthly father, but my heavenly father, I am his son, you are his son, and we must live out his example and what he calls us to live in order to be a good earthly father. One of our roles as a father, one of our ways that we live out authority in our homes and in church is to be able to teach God's Word in truth. The truth of God's Word with a proper perspective. And I believe it should be our top priority as sons to understand the truth of the Gospel and to live that out. There was 
something that I caught when I was listening to a podcast where one of the men in a conversation was John MacArthur and he made this statement, when you tamper with truth, conscience is lost. We talk so much to our children about having a pure conscience and having a good conscience and listen to your conscience. But if we're not teaching the truth of God's Word the way that we should as fathers, then we're tampering with the truth. Conscience is lost. So that's why we must put a full effort into understanding God's Word and be able to pass on a proper way to think, not just what to think, more importantly, how to think to our children. We pass that on, that is what prepares them for a relationship with their Heavenly Father and for good relationships on earth. 1 Timothy 4 verses 7 and 8 says, Have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather train yourself for godliness. That's something that we can always focus on and should always focus on as fathers, to train ourselves for godliness. While bodily exercise or bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life, it's worth it for you to, to apply yourself to living a godly life, especially as a father. It holds a promise for the present life and also for the life that is to come. There's no downside to that. So we have about 15 minutes, and I want to just take the rest of the time, and I, I may get done a little bit early, but this is what's on my heart this morning. The story of the prodigal son. We've talked about that story quite a bit recently, the story of the prodigal son. There's something that stood out to me very recently, and something I hadn't seen before, was when the, when the son had spent all his living and decided to come home. And when he was coming down the road, his father saw him a great way off, and it says he had compassion on him. That's what we all want as fathers, right? We want to have compassion when we're dealing with our children, when we're dealing with our wife, when we're dealing with our brothers in church. It's in our heart to have compassion. So often it seems that we can respond with criticism instead. I know what it's like to be critical. But God calls us to be compassionate, but th to be compassionate. This word compassion is a special word. When I looked it up to see what other words described it, I found an interesting, I had an interesting realization in looking at the word compassion. The father had compassion on him. That word was used 12 times in the New Testament, which is not very often. A word that's used 12 times, it was always translated compassion. Every time. No other time, no, no other word was used to, to describe this word. It was always translated compassion, 12 times. And so I, I looked it up to see where all that word was used in the New Testament. And what I found was very interesting. 
It was never used in human form to describe just a man, that a certain man had compassion. The two times that it was used was, was here in the, in the story of the prodigal son where the father had compassion on his son, but that father figure was God, right? That was the, that was the story of God's compassion. The other one was the king that decided to forgive the servant. He had compassion on him and forgave him the debt. It was the two times that it was attributed to a man, but the man was found in a story about God, both times. All the other times was when Jesus had compassion on the multitudes, had compassion on the sick, and had compassion on those that were struggling. It was always Him having compassion. That compassion, that word was never used to just say a certain man had compassion. It was always of divine nature. And it was so interesting for me to realize that that compassion, there's no example given of a man having compassion unless that man was representing God. Isn't that interesting? So where does that leave us as fathers? It puts us in a position where to be a compassionate father, the way the Bible teaches that we should have compassion, it doesn't lie within ourselves. We're not able to muster up the compassion that measures up to the compassion God calls us to have for our wife and children. That, that compassion can only come from above, from what God gives us. It makes me think of some verses, some familiar verses, ones you've probably often heard me quote. The one is in John 12, verse 26, where Jesus told the disciples, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. For a father that's living a godly life, the life that God intended for us to live, is in a place where, remember, it's an honorable position. So it's, it's a place where he'll receive honor from his family. He'll receive honor from other men. He'll receive honor from God. There's honor coming from several different places. In an imperfect world, there's going to be times where that honor will not be given, even though it may be proper to. But in Romans chapter 14, several verses there, it says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy found only in God's Spirit. And then it says, He that in these things serveth Christ is accepted of God and approved of men. So you will be honored by your Father. And you're in a position to receive honor in a proper way from others around us. But I love this verse, If any man serve me, let him follow me. 
where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, the Father will honor him. Are you in a place of honor where you find yourself as a father this morning? And the other verse is John 14, verse 23, where Jesus answered Judas with these words, If any man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And I want you to think about the significance of these words. This is our map This is our instruction to being a good dad. It's not trying to be a good father, it's knowing how to be a good son. Think of it in that sense. If a man love me, this is the words of Christ, if a man love me, he will keep my words. What a challenge. How can we know his words if we're not daily in the scriptures, eating and drinking from his word. How can we expect to be a good father with a proper perspective? If a man love me, he will keep my words. Do you love Christ? Then keep his word. We can't be negligent in that and expect to be a good father. And then he goes on and says, if we do this, If we keep his word, one, we have to know what it says. We have to be familiar with it. So let's read. Let's read the word. Let's be in it. If we don't like to read, let's do it with audio. Let's be familiar with God's word. Not for instructing those around us, but it's for us. We must eat it and drink it. And then... What comes out of that? But he says here, if you do that, if you love me, you keep his words. You keep my words. He says, my father will love him. Remember the verse we read before, if any man serve me, the father will honor him. Here it says, the father will love him and we will come unto him. And he will love you in a way that he doesn't love the whole world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. But this is an intimate love from an obedient Son. And He says, My Father will love Him, and we will come to Him. If if we, if they come to live in my heart, I cannot fail. I cannot fail in living out his sonship. Not if he's living with me. If any man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. It's been life-changing words for, for me. That's where I, I put all my eggs in that basket of relationship. Relationship with my Heavenly Father by keeping His words, 
by being familiar with his words and then letting my fatherhood be a result of my sonship. I want that to be impressed on our minds this morning. Fatherhood comes from sonship. Beautiful verse. Verse 27, this will be yours. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That was Jesus' words to his disciples. And those words ring true for us today. His words, his power controls the winds and the waves. And it will control, his word will control the winds and the waves in your life if you trust him with it. Happy Father's Day. I love each one of you. And my prayer is that we can continue to grow together as a brotherhood. I love the just the, the feeling of togetherness when we worship. And I consider it such a privilege to be in the position that I'm in. Yes, it's a responsibility to to preach the word as often as I do. Paul considered himself a father. He said, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you only have one father. And I don't know that I would consider myself your father, but I'm in a position to, uh, with the responsibility of teaching God's word. And I consider that one of the greatest privileges of my life. And it's because of your graciousness as well that that you allow me to have this platform. And uh, so I want to thank you. And happy Father's Day to each of you. God bless you.